There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy, and you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley, and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I love watching scary movies, so I watch them so that you don't have to. And we've got a fun one for you today. But before we get into it, we have a little bit of haunted housekeeping. Haunted housekeeping! Which is that we have a live virtual show this upcoming weekend, December 3rd. I can't believe it's so soon. I know. As you listen, as you listen, if you're listening in when it, the episode comes out, this this very weekend. So soon. This very weekend, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, mm-hmm. and we will be recapping the menu. Emily mm-hmm. and I saw it this weekend, and we this, or last weekend, if you're listening oh, to it, oh, <laughs> confusing. Game comes out. Uh, we have some thoughts about it. I'm excited to talk about it. I can't wait to hear. Yeah, well, and we're going to talk about it, but we're also all going to be in one same room, the very same physical space. Henley's going to be in L.A. We're going to be together. We haven't been all together in mo- in months. I can't wait. And I'm very, very excited. <sighs> I need to do some outfit planning, you guys. It's, uh, it's a big dire. deal. Outfit planning. It's, it's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I've decided I think I will be giving you guys your Christmas presents okay. on air. Mainly wow. just because, like I said wow. last week, I, I ordered all my Christmas gifts in an absolute frenzy and they've started arriving and I've got to get them out. I got to get them out. <laughs> I got I to give them to you. <laughs> you got to check, check things off your list, baby. And so, you know, I'm excited about that as well. It's going to be great. And if you would like to see all of this, you can get tickets at moment.co slash TSDW. And that's the link. And that's the that's whole it. That's no, there's no link. more letters to type in. That's it. Okay. Did anything scary happen to us this week? Well, you guys might be able to tell from my voice, but I am sick. And so I um, I'm feeling a little under the weather. My, I have a cold. And I think the main thing I wanted to ask you guys, just get your opinions on, is um, where, where does everyone stand with Afrin here? Huh. So glad you so glad you asked. <laughs> I could to talk about it. I got to say I love it. It's the spray up your nose stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's good stuff. I also love it. I've never used it. Can you what? can you believe? Is this the thing though that people were like breathing in and it was making them like really bad? Like it was doing bad things? What kind of bad things? I hope not. Like making them lose their ability to smell, like killing no, that was something else. You know what? It could there be was the this. Vicks Vapo Rub version of it. I don't think that had necessarily bad things either. Uh, it might have been that. I know somebody who like lost their ability to smell for like several months because of a, a, a nasal spray. But I think it's been taken off the. 
market. Anyway, what's up with Afrin? That's what I'm, I'm going to need to Google that real quick. Um, <laughs> um, no, just that I, you know, when you are sick, you have a cold, you go to bed, it's miserable, right? Because you can't breathe out of your nose. So my mm-hmm. solution forever and always, ever since I discovered it, as you know, probably too early to be using it. I, you know, use Afrin for a few nights. It clears up the sinuses. You can sleep. It's too fine. Too early it to be using hours. it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I was probably using Afrin when I was like 10 years old. Do you know oh, what I mean? Oh, too young. Like you started too young. Yeah, I see. I see. But they've always said, and my brother refuses to use it because he always says that it's like makes it worse. It makes your sinuses more swollen. It's going to like do more long-term damage. He's like mm. militant about not oh, using I've it. Oh, I've like heard these things about eye drops too. They make your eyes more red, more dry. Chapstick also. Oh my God. People. Oh my God. People with chapstick. I swear to God, you're going to make it so that your lips can't do it themselves. And it's like, my lips are chapped. Let me use fucking chapstick. People are so look. uh, Yeah. You're also not supposed to wash your body or wash your hair because you're like inhibiting the natural oils to do what we live in a society where it's okay to shower and use chapstick and use Afrin if you want. All of a sudden I'm worked up. Okay. Well, oh no, no, no. But this is a scary thing is that I'm worried it's coming full circle, you guys. I'm worried that the Afrin is actually doing doing me dirty. <laughs> in, <laughs> what, making, in what way? I'm worried that's making everything worse. Like it's making my cold last longer. I'm worried it's making my sinuses more swollen. I'm just I'm mm-hmm. I'm starting to think that maybe I've reached the end of the road with Afrin and it really makes oh, like me in upset. your life. Oh, it's like yeah. a, this is a sad goodbye. I think I'm going to have to say goodbye to it. I think so. I have heard, because I was doing some, this will, be, this will tie into my thing. I was doing a lot of research on like colds and sickness and like how to keep yourself from getting a cold <laughs> this week. And I did, um, there it, there are theories about like decongestants in general can prolong the duration of a cold only because that's your body's way of like expelling the germs. And so when you take those medicines you're keeping your body from doing that. This is like when I had COVID and I oh, refused, yeah. refused to, to take, take Tylenol. You can't, it was, you have to bring a fever down. You have to bring a fever down Eventually, when it's that high. <laughs> oh my God. Let it do its thing first. You were like gonna pass out. You became like, <laughs> was like you were like hallucinating. See and like stumbling down the hallways. Yeah, it wasn't good. Let the fever do I its work. Let it do its work. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I probably won't do that again. It's a fine line between, you know, taking if, you know, modern medicine is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mainly. Tell you guys tell me about your weeks, please. Well, this week was Thanksgiving if, in America. And if people are listening in real in real time, this past week was Thanksgiving. And um, and we hosted, Joel and I hosted for the very first time. It's such a small little hosting. We ha- It was three friends over. Sammy being one of them was a small little gathering. It was great. Um, thank you. you. It was really you lovely. wonderful hosts. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Well, I just wanted to say that, like, so we... We hosted. We didn't even cook all of it. It was sort of like potluck style. Everybody chipped in. All we did was just like have people in our home, basically. I was so worn out from Mm. the day leading up to Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving that I have not. Today is now Sunday. Thanksgiving was Thursday. I have done nothing. I have I have gotten like 10 plus hours of sleep every night. I was 
after, okay, so we went to see a movie. We went to go see the menu on Friday during the afternoon, the day after Thanksgiving. And when we got back from the movie, I was like, oh my God, I have COVID. Like, I was like, I was so depleted and certain I was getting sick. And I went down a rabbit hole of like, how do you keep yourself from getting sick? I was like looking a bunch of stuff up. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to tell everybody that I have COVID. And, and the live show's next week and Helen's coming to town. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm so sick. I'm so sick. What am I going to do? Also, pandemic has made me, they like, even the idea of a cold, I'm, I like go into like worst case scenario thinking, mm. but literally I just all, I just rested and slept and guess what? I'm not sick. I was just worn out, but I can't believe, I can't believe that feels like not normal the to same have thing happened to me that worn out as well. And I, I don't necessarily think that makes it normal, but if it makes <laughs> you feel better, it at least happened to more than one person. I similarly have been sleeping so much since then and was just absolutely pooped. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it pooped. really took it out of me. No, no two ways about it. Were you guys it. drinking a lot? Did you just get super hungover? No, I, we, I wasn't really. even hungover. Like we didn't drink. I mean, we, we drank for we a drank while. A, we drank a right? healthy you know, amount. <laughs> we, you start at like 4 p.m. and you go until midnight. But <laughs> certainly we've... we've <laughs> which is normal. Um, but, I, but like <laughs> quantity wise, it's not like... Like certainly I've had regular dinners where afterwards I'm like, oh God, look at, look at all the bottles in the recycling bin. This wasn't, this wasn't one of them. But... And also, so then I, anytime I think about talking about being tired or sick or anything, I think you're, you're telling this story to Henley who has a child and it's just like, literally, how do you do it? Because I thought I was dying from hosting a dinner and how do you do it? How do you sleep ever? How are you not always sick? What's, what the fuck? What, how, what's, how does anybody do it? sick right now. I know what, what the hell? I don't know. I don't know. You just do it. It's honestly, it's fine. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, um, finite period of time. It's a long period of time in your life. It's <laughs> pretty long, but it finite will period. end eventually. <laughs> um, they do grow up and then eventually, um, I'll sleep again. Um, it will oh, be that's in nice. my forties, I think probably in your forties, you might sleep. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's 10 years from something, now. Something something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. I know. I genuinely, I don't know. I mean, I only have one. I, I can't imagine what it's like to have more than that. Well, you want to have more than that, you lunatic. I do want to have more than it's that. It's just simply insane. It's just simply insane. Absolutely deranged. Well, something I did have energy for was going to the Titanic exhibit in what? Los Angeles. Sammy. Sammy! Stop it. I went with what? my mom. And I forgot that that was happening. Oh my God. If you want to go again, Henley, when you're here, I'd love to go again. Everybody listening knows I'm a huge vessel head. I'm obsessed with the Titanic. I can't get enough. <laughs> Uh, oh my god! It how was, was so it? interesting. I cried basically start well, yeah, to finish. Of course, of course, oh, of, course, of, course, of, course <laughs> of course, of course, of course. It's heartbreaking. It's so sad. Heartbreaking. And so, two scary things about it. One is that upon entering, they give you a boarding pass where you are given <gasps> the name of one of the actual passengers. And at the end, you find out if you're dead. Yes, you have to. I love that shit. You have to find at the end your name on either the survivors list or the deceased list. And it's so heartbreaking. Um, Did you I die? was uh, Anna 
um, Sage, I believe was my name. And gorgeous name. Gorgeous. Me and my husband and my eight children all perished. Eight children. Eight children. Eight children. See, all that's so perished. fucked. That is fucked. Does it make you feel better to know you were probably rich as hell? You brought no, eight kids onto the Titanic class. No, that all oh, the people. No? Yeah, they were the ones that died. The, oh, yeah. What? Sure, sure. It was was most, yeah, third class and crew died in the in the biggest percentages. Oh my God. Oh my God. I fucking hate this shit. Sammy, I hate <laughs> you for constantly bringing up the Titanic all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it was really, really devastating. A lot of very sad stories. There was one story on the wall of a guy who he was, they were newlyweds. They were both 19, I believe. And him oh. and his new wife got into the lifeboat and we're in the lifeboat ready to go and he went back for her coat and then he died and did not make it back to the lifeboat can you imagine (laughs) like it's just uh really unreal but anyways the other scary part about it is how desperately at the end of it i wanted titanic merch i am currently wearing a titanic (laughs) t-shirt and i just felt like the concept of titanic merch is so crazy and i can't think of any other um disaster that people wear you know merch from but the, the I was USS just like Indianapolis merch. yeah like this merch story was filled I bet people wear like Pompeii merch right <laughs> yeah, yeah, for maybe, sure maybe. for sure I just like my mind in the merch store I was like I'm an insane person I was looking at the shirts being like this Titanic shirt's pretty good but this Titanic shirt's a little better somebody else made that merch you know you didn't bring it into existence so somebody's crazier than you that's nice. That's nice of you to say. Thank you. Yeah. I kind of want. I kind of want Titanic merch now that you've, you're. I don't know. It's speaking my interest <laughs> for some reason. Why are? Would we be so obsessed with the Titanic if it weren't for the movie? I mean, I know it was a big deal, but like, I think I would. Would we be? I don't know if you would, but I would. <laughs> yeah. Well, you would, but would there be exhibits? Probably not. I think so I, I I think that the the movie really. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it left. It's like indelibly printed, imprinted on us after watching the movie at such a young age, so many times. Well, I've gone to other ship museums. You know that. I know, Sammy. We know you're a vessel head. We know you don't need to brag about it. <laughs> I've, okay, I've seen sh- ship museums where there has been no movie made about them. Sure, you can't make a can't make movie out of every ship. No, I wish they would, but no, they can't. <laughs> Wow. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to go back. So if you guys are interested and if any of you listeners live in Los Angeles, I highly recommend the Titanic exhibit. It's it's really, really interesting and um, uh, and pretty sad. So just be warned. You might cry. <laughs> but there's merch at the but end. But there's merch at the end. So it's all worth it. Wow. 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 And another thing I did this week was I watched this week's movie, which is Army of Darkness It came out in 1992, directed by Sam Raimi, written by Sam and Ivan Raimi, starring Bruce Campbell, M. Beth Davids, Marcus Gilbert, and Ian Abercrombie. Uh, It is available to rent for $3.99, and we have two guests with us today to talk about this movie. Um, They are the hosts of fellow HeadGum podcast, Punch Up the Jam. It's Andrew and Evan Gregory. Welcome to the pod. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you guys for being here. How are you guys doing today? I had a quick question, which is, was the movie Titanic too scary for for you guys to watch? Uh, Emily has famously not seen it. I've never seen it. That was too scary for you to watch, Titanic. (laughs) 
at, at a certain, it was too scary at a time, and now it's too long. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it is really long. I saw it so many times when it came out. It's sad. Yeah, it's really sad. I don't want to watch a long, sad movie. It's scarier than a lot of horror movies because it really happened. Yeah. It, it fucked me up. But there was like a thing in my class where everyone, it was like a competition. How many times could you see it? And I think I saw it 10 times in the theaters. Like I saw it in so the theaters. Wow, that's 30 hours. Yes. I totally I get that, that all the middle schoolers or whatever would want to go see it a million times because the sad part makes the romantic part more romantic. And then mm-hmm. you're just going right. to see it for that. Mm-hmm. I was at a Super Bowl party that like my, my parents' friends were throwing. And the cool girls that I was friends with were like, the Super Bowl sucks. Let's go watch Titanic. And we were like, let's get out of here. We just went to his empty theater and watched Titanic during the Super Bowl. And it felt very cool. That honestly does sound cool. I would make that trade if, if, if that's what, you know, that's what, because both are long, so you know? It's a perfect amount of like, it's rebellious, but it also, based on your age that I'm deducing from this story, is also very flirtatious. Mm-hmm. Is a good deal. Oh, good yeah, deal. yeah, yeah. The cool girls are want you to go watch a kind of sexy yeah. movie? Like, just, I mean, just because the arrangement of our parents' friends, because it's like this had nothing to do with me, the Super Bowl party. It's like I'm there with two of my closest female high school friends and their cuter older sister. And the four of us are going to go watch Titanic and skip the Super Bowl? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Yeah, Ooh. sorry, John L. Way. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys heard the story about Bill Paxton and um and James Cameron's lunch on the submarine on the on the deck of the Titanic? No. I'm, this no. is gonna come back to the events with the worst merch. I promise. Okay. Okay. That at some later date after the movie Titanic was out, I don't know why because you'd think they'd do this while they were shooting the movie. James Cameron took. Uh, Bill Paxton down to the deck of the Titanic in his submarine just to have a casual lunch because that's what you do when you're that rich for making the movie Titanic. Just have a picnic uh-huh. on the deck of the Titanic. They came up and everyone was freaking out because while they've been down there for six hours, 9-11 had happened. Wow! No. And I, no. think, I think that 9-11 has worse merch than the Titanic. Just because it's more, just because it's more recent. And being in, living Wait. in New York, living in New York, there's a lot of really bad 9-11 there merch. There is 9-11 bar, merch. There's a bar near our office that's a 9-11 themed bar. That's like, I never want to oh, go in there. I don't want to go in that bar. What? Yeah. Imagine missing 9-11 because you're under the ocean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Voluntarily. That's how have I not heard that story? That's the craziest story I've ever heard. That's yeah. wild. It's scary didn't submarine. I'm not going to a no, submarine. I would never go no, on a submarine. No Are you that's kidding the, me? That's the scariest thing in the world. Yeah, my God. Okay, we're, we're getting past it. We'll come back to it. But did anything scary happen to either of you this week? Oh man! I mean, nothing, nothing ghostly. Like last time I um, yes. appeared on this show to recap the Human Centipede, I, I did have a scary incident with a possessed bird to um, share. <laughs> this time, it's you know, like we've been talking about, we're recording this on Thanksgiving weekend. So, what's in the rearview for me? For me, is Thanksgiving weekend, and my kids were sick prior to Thanksgiving and home from school with uh, the flu. So, the scariest thing for me is just the amount of Sibling on sibling violence that has been happening no. based on no. continuous days cooped up. You know, the, the cabin uh. fever is cumulative. So you have like three or four sick days that then lead up to the holiday weekend. It's been getting pretty dire. It's been getting pretty mm. dire. So that's not 
you know, supernatural type of horror. Real life stuff's always scary. Do you have any like tips and tricks about how to curb sibling on sibling violence? I mean, is there anything you can do? Um, yeah, well, you can space them out more than me. I, I have three that are inside two years of age. So like the, they are peers with each other and best friends and rivals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you, <laughs> if you space them out, then the one that's like really big might be like, I don't need to beat up on this. Really infant. big. <laughs> have a really big one. <laughs> I don't have a tower over the others. <laughs> well, have, have one that's kind of a piggy. And another one that's kind of like the underling. Yeah, make a make a really big kid. <laughs> okay, this is great. Thank you for thank you for the insight. I need all of this. Oof. Well, a- Andrew, anything Andrew, scary? Anything scary. Uh, I, I'm 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 gonna offhandedly mention two things that were scary. One scary great. thing that happened to me was I hosted Thanksgiving for. It was going to be almost thirty people, and that's I would that's stressful. be deceased if that's, that's, that's a lot. To host for thirty people. <laughs> This is my eighth year in nine years of hosting. Duh! And uh, there were just a lot of pressures and stressors around this one in particular with COVID, mm-hmm. with yeah. kids. I, this is my first Thanksgiving having a kid. I have a, mm. a seven-month-old daughter. Um, there were some last-minute uh. cancellations that were stressful, not Evan's cancellation. Evan's cancellation wasn't stressful, but there was another one that was. <laughs> and, mm. um, you know, family coming in from out of town. So that's, that, that's pretty stressful. A lot, a lot of things to cook. Uh, big shout out to, frankly, our mom for making the stuffing. Good job. Thanks, mom. That's great. Mom's That's great. Frankly, you, you got to hand it to her. She did the Thank stuffing. You. She did the rolls. The rolls she does every year. But usually Ooh. I do the stuffing. She doubled down this year to the stuffing and the rolls. Nice, 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 But the nice. most existentially terrifying thing I mm. saw, I'm going to bring it back to Evan's kids, mm. was one of Evan's kids, Gus, is in a letter writing mood this week. So Evan has been sending me pictures of the notes that Gus is writing. <laughs> And sent me a picture that I think. Do you, are you guys familiar with the the poem that ends with like um, what's that poem about Ozymandias with the statue in the desert? Mm, you know the one oh, I'm talking about. Yeah. I do know what you're talking about, yeah, but I couldn't, it's couldn't like, provide uh, any more details than you just have. Look my upon name my is works. Ozymandias. Look upon my works, ye mighty and despair. Ye mighty and despair. Yeah. I was like, I think this card is better than that. <laughs> And also more existentially terrifying. Wow. This card just, I'll, I'll, I should just pull it up, but I'll paraphrase here. The card just said like, it had a little drawing of Gus at the bottom and he had huge tears coming out of his eyes. And it just said, if my dad died, I would scream, come back, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just too fucking real for me. <laughs> I was just like, and so I'm sorry. This was a this, Evan. This was your child yeah, re- who wrote this note I'll about recap. your death. I'll recap. I bet Henley can probably Henley can probably identify with us in the sense like your kid does something cute or precocious. You immediately How old take is your a, kid, Henley. You immediately take a pick of it. He's only almost a year and a half, so he's okay. not quite old he's enough. He's not to writing do, notes do yet. Any, he's, not about, he's not thinking about your death and what he would cry. Yeah. And so my kids, my the twin boys are are recently six, so they're very they're recently literate. You know, reading and just beginning to write, and it's extremely cute. And all that is uh, like you want to save it forever. But what's Andrew's exactly right? It was like we were writing birthday cards to Rose, and then Gus just wanted to write more things, and. This was the third card that he wrote, and that's kind of what made it funnier to me. He started off just, he wrote me one card and just walked in. He'd been working on it in the back of the house, and he brought it to me. This was a card for you? Yes, he gave me a card oh, yeah. that said, To Dad, you are the best dad I could ever have. 
And I was like, this is, oh my gosh. I mean, for him to write scrawl this out, a little six-year-old, is, it's so a lot sweet. of work so and cute. very That's sincere. So and, then, and then he just went away. Everything's quiet. I'm happy just like reading the papers. I don't know what it was. He got to plot it. He got to plot it. He got to plot it. Exactly. Yeah, just like you're doing animal training. You give them one little incentive to do it, then he went mm-hmm. off and did it again. He came back five minutes later with another card that just said, I love you with all my heart. Oh, <laughs> with a picture of uh, uh, yeah, a bunch hearts. of hearts on there. Yeah, and so then ten minutes later, after I applauded him again, he's like, "Hell yeah, I'm on a roll." <laughs> How do I get deeper? What's the next layer here? That's when he came back with the third card, which is what Andrew saw, which is just a layer upon on top of "You're the best dad I could ever have." I love you with all my heart. Number three, if you die. Then I would cry. <laughs> picture of picture of himself with a word bubble. I want dad back. Oh, I mean, oh frankly, my. it sent me to an imaginary Evan funeral with six year old Gus. Yeah. Gus just screaming, "I want dad back!" And that was very scary to me. Yeah, yeah. that's haunting. And I think honestly, more it was more m- meaningful to me than ninety five percent of human art, including <laughs> Lord Byron. It's either Byron or Shelley's Ozymandias poem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. That was, uh, I'm so glad you brought that to our attention because I agree that should be in MoMA. Like, why isn't that framed and why aren't we looking at it every day? What more is there to say about the human death of someone you love than I want dad back? Yeah. You can't put it more briefly. If you die, (laughs) then I would cry. I want dad back. Yes, there's like two hour movies about this subject that are not as good. <laughs> that don't hit quite as hard. Yeah. Let's just say Forrest Gump didn't do it that well with Sally Field. Nope. 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 Well. Wow, I have a lot to stew on there. I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the podcast. It's going to be hard for me to focus. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, that's a lot, that's a lot to take in. Um, wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, what? how do you guys feel about. Evan, we obviously had you on. You you covered human centipede for us. Mm-hmm. Um, all star guests, like bl- uh, ugh, triple, just a horrifying experience for, for, for the all charts. involved. Andrew, how do you feel about scary movies? Well, what is your relationship? To here's them? what I will say about my current relationship with scary movies, which is there is no way I would even listen to. The Human Centipede episode. I think you should. I'm not talking about watching Human Centipede. I'm saying like Evan said he was coming on your podcast. And I think mm-hmm. maybe I was supposed to come too and I had to cancel last minute. And I was like, oh, I'll listen to a couple episodes. I really enjoyed it because there was a moment in my life that I really loved horror movies. Like love, love, loved them. I've watched mm-hmm. a lot of the movies you guys mm-hmm. have done. So I, I, I listened to some of those. I was downright bragging that I got to do such a high status episode. <laughs> Evan wanted podcast. to talk to me about the human centipede episode and I did not even want to engage with him. I did not want yeah. to listen to it. And like, I guess what I would compare my current status with, you know, when you meet like a, like a, a skinny white girl who's like, I used to only drink tequila, but then I had this one night and I can never drink tequila again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where I am with horror movies, where it used to be a big, a big part of my identity. Like in high school, that was like my thing was like having a, like a lot of friends over and we'd watch you know, bad horror movies in the attic. And it was kind of ironic, but probably not actually that ironic as you thought uh-huh. it was. You know, really shitty horror movies like Maximum Overdrive, the Stephen King movie where 
all the trucks come to life and start murdering <laughs> Emilio Estevez. Wow. And a, oh, hell yeah. And a soda, machine, a soda machine shoots sodas out of a, and kills kills a bunch of people with the sodas. Sounds, it's really good. good. We need uh, I'm going to bring that back later and you're going to be surprised how I do it. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I watched it. I think we agreed that the worst one we ever watched was The Dentist 2, mm, which was worse than what? The Dentist you 1. You mentioned that one because, and I'm curious. Yeah, because they've done... Yeah, they got the camera so far in everyone's mouth. It was really, really, really gross. <laughs> and then just like, you know, flash forward. I kind of like went away from it for a while. And like also I read cards like Gus's cards and reflected upon human mortality. I think a little yeah, longer sure. as I got Life older. gets scarier as you get older. Yes. And it, yeah. And now there is like no way I would watch a horror movie like that ever. Like the last movie I watched in theaters was... Jennifer Lopez's Marry Me. So with great. Owen a great a delightful I, film. I oh my God, it. it's so good. I will like go to the mat with people regularly about how underrated that movie is and how the music <laughs> is better than the music to A Star is Born. And it was shot on my block, which is why I went to see it. Mm. Ah. So was there one movie that did it? There was there one movie that really put you over the edge? I think it back? M- might have been all of the movies I did, like subconsciously sleeping in my brain for 10 or 15 oh. years. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's going like, to fucking all- happen to me, you guys. Yeah. After listening to all of these movies, how many episodes have we done? They're all, they're all sitting, they're all simmering in the back of my brain. But what I should say, what I was so excited about when I heard we were doing Army of Darkness, which I don't think we suggested. I think you all suggested is that this was probably the number one movie of my horror phase in my oh, great. Okay. And so I was shocked that you had not done it yet. Uh-huh. And at the risk of being a terrible person, <laughs> okay. I I want to openly mock you for refusing to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You know, okay, okay. Wait, to be fair. We did watch Evil Dead 2, all three of us. All three of you watched it? Okay. We We did did watch it. How did did Evil Dead 2 go for you? I enjoyed it. I had a great time. Oh! Yeah, okay, so so Evil Dead is an interesting one for us because we had, so we covered the first one, the original, uh, one of our earliest episodes, and I absolutely hated it. Hated it. It made me feel terrible i i oh i had a terrible 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 time and then we watched the remake which i mean you you know a couple years later but i realized these movies are specific in that like watching them is kind of delightful hearing about them kind of terrible because you lose the perspective of like it's like campy and fun and kind of over the top and and it you all you hear is you know chopping somebody up with a chainsaw uh, yeah. Someone, what is it? Someone with the veins get all gross and a lot of fluids. So it's very fluids. easy to picture it as being like a lot darker and nastier than it appears. Yes, in it's, watching it, that's so a great I, point. I do think these are one of the few that's better to watch. So, how did you all come to the conclusion that you would all watch Evil Dead Two together? Sammy made Sammy, Sammy made, made us. us yeah, too. yeah, we did that on our Patreon for my birthday episode. Okay. I forced him. I think. I mean. <laughs> I, I think this could be a Patreon all watch episode because I I haven't rewatched Evil Dead two recently, but I think this is a lot less scary than Evil Dead. 2. I think so too. Yeah, Army of Darkness is actually the one I saw first for some reason, and it is I feel like oh. more leaning more into the comedy side and kind of just adventure. It's the least and- scary of the three. Evan and I were talking about this earlier because we were trying to talk about whether it was 
okay to call you guys yellow belly. <laughs> you just roll mic. up in here as podcast antagonists. <laughs> and then and then we ask you guys, can we call you yellow belly? <laughs> and you said yes. Um, but like basically this movie is a cross between Mel Brooks's Robin Hood Men in Tights, mm. The Three Stooges, mm-hmm. Connect- okay. Connecticut Yankee in-, in King Arthur's Court. With like a little bit of Walking Dead zombie stuff, just yeah. a tiny little zombie, zombie, zombie sprinkle, a little bit of zombie stuff. But it's like there, there is a moment where Bruce Campbell, aka Ash, punches a zombie in the face, and his head spins around ten times, and he goes, "Aouga." Okay, okay. Any movie with an Aouga is not that yeah. scary. No, there's no, a no, moment. True. There's a moment where they're going to have to fight the zombies towards the end of the movie. This movie is what an hour and twenty yeah, minutes it's long, so quick. Yes. and the plot basically oh, finishes yeah. forty minutes mm-hmm. in. Like the last, like the last yes. forty minutes is like them prepping for the zombie fight. And there's a moment where they open the trunk of his car. His car has been time traveled into medieval times. Sure. And just at the top of the trunk of his car is a book that is Chemistry 101. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> any That's any funny. zombie hunting movie where a, a random guy who works at a Safeway has a chemistry 101 textbook with the recipe for gunpowder in it. Mm, yes, yes, that's a, yes. Oh, and everyone knows. Yes. I will say it's such an interesting thing about doing this podcast. I'm excited to hear about this movie and to watch the trailer and to, but I, prior to doing this podcast, now I'm like, you're right. Anyone should be able to watch this. I could certainly watch it. I think Henley could watch it. But before doing this podcast, I would never have wanted to. Like I would ne- like I would have just been like, "What?" If what? there's any amount of like mm. chainsaw, not only no arm, but then you put a chainsaw on it. Amputation mm. is a big, big no no for me in terms of like what is horrifying for me to watch. And now, but now I'm like, oh, I can see how the more you're exposed to horror, it like changes your brain, and you you can like find the fun in that. So now I agree with you, but I there was a time where they would time where I would not when I described a horror movie as fun. (laughs) And I see what you mean that it's just such an easy metric to say why bother with this movie that has any amount of amputation in it when there are so many other movies that have any amount of Jennifer Lopez in them. Exactly. Exactly. This movie, marry me. Let's do that one. Maybe we could pivot to that. I got some stats for us about Army of Darkness. We've got a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes, 59 on Metacritic. Seems like weird to rate this mo- movie like poorly. Just seems strange to me that critics are like giving it bad ratings. Anyways, 7.4 on IMDb. Budget, budget oh, well, was 11 million. It made 21.5 million, but they said it was like a box office failure, even though that sounds good to me. I guess they, they were not pleased well, with the those. first two, like very, very, very low budget. 11 million feels high for one of these. First one was 350 K. So the first one is like totally self-financed. Like I think it's like a student film. I basically think maybe like a dentist loaned him money or something for like a family friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this was supposed to be the second one. Right. And this is there's in my opinion, there's right. two things that, that keep oh, this yeah. from being a perfect movie. One is okay. that the female lead in the year 1300 is named Sheila. That doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, in sure. In the year 1300. That's from the same like movie writing world that all of the one-liners and stuff, the camp, comes from. I don't know. It's got to be a Rebecca, a Margaret, maybe a Brigitte. <laughs> not a not A, a Brigitte? I wish it had been Brigitte. <laughs> okay, what's your thing number two? I'm thinking about this a lot. But the second thing is, 
it was supposed to be the second movie and it was supposed to be called this is such a, a home run it's supposed to be called medieval dead i why uh, would they say no universal said no they wanted it to be why they, they wanted they it no? to be a somewhat standalone film but medieval dead yeah that's a that you uh, it's it can a still no be a standalone. No that's ridiculous that's ridiculous home run home run yeah Studio execs, man, they just don't know. They were doing a ton of cocaine. They didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and yeah, uh, what this piece of trivia I wrote down because I feel like it's not true, and it's that they say all three Evil Dead films can be seamlessly cut together, though some introductory footage in the sequels is lost. And I just don't think that's true because yeah. Evil Dead Two, remember, is like kind of a remake of Evil Dead One. But yeah. with the intention the first, to bridge like, to to Army of Darkness, right? I mean, that's a, that's a silly piece of trivia. Like, by what standard do you say seamlessly? Like, I could cut all the Star Wars movies together seamlessly to create one eighteen-hour story if I wanted <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> Who says it's seamless? <laughs> I think yeah. I just it struck me as an odd piece of trivia that I was like, what. So I just wanted to talk about it with you guys. Shouldn't that be true of any sequential films? Right. Like that's exactly yeah. that's exactly what I'm screaming. Yeah. You know, maybe even any movie that features the the same actors. You know, you could you could cut <laughs> Empire Strikes Back together with the Sandlot with James Earl Jones to hang it all together, and that'd be seamless. <laughs> and then it's one movie, mm, yeah. one single and it's movie. Seamless. <laughs> if, James, if, if Darth Vader has a mean dog who keeps stealing the baseballs, ooh, that's good. <laughs> I will say I forgot that Ivan Ramey co-wrote this and it made me feel really good about being brothers on your podcast. I know. I was thinking that. Because did, oh. did you guys spot the third Ramey brother in the movie? Um, <gasps> no. I know that. There's a third Ramey. The third. He's in it like four times, right? As different characters. I saw him twice, but I would believe four. I think he's yeah, in it. I, I oh, that's in fun. the grocery store at one point, right? Yeah. At the end. In the in the in the ending which they reshot but he also has a line in the like sort of like third act of the movie where he's like and you have my steel and he has this really bad fake beard mm, on mm -hmm. um, but that's Ted Raimi who which brings me back to encouraging you guys to watch this movie respectfully mm. did you guys mm -hmm. used to watch Xena Warrior Princess I loved Xena yes yes I would basically argue that this is a pilot for Xena Warrior Princess and Sam oh, Raimi okay, was great. also involved in Xena right Pam, <gasps> Sam Raimi made Xena Warrior Princess. It had the same oh, producer, cool. Dino De Laurentiis, that made all these Italian movies and also made Maximum Overdrive, where the trucks try to Whoa. kill Emilio Estevez. But also, Ted Raimi is Jax, the kind of like, uh, he, you know, the kind of like comedy relief in Xena, who like has a crush on Xena, but Xena's like, this guy's a real, like, dumb guy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's kind of a third rate he's a kind of like a, a second tier character in yeah Zena. yeah but this is, this is a very xena movie yeah pre-xena that's cool but i think I sam xena. raimi made just like a shit ton of of money making the hercules and xena series yeah um hell yeah those would be fun to rewatch one day even though i feel like kevin sorbo sucks right so that'd be tough yeah we lost he sorbo does. he went to the other side yeah um yeah, i have his autograph that. somewhere Gonna have to throw that in no. the trash. Somewhere. <laughs> Put that right in the trash. Um, okay, should we watch this trailer? Yes, I would love to watch this trailer. Let's take a peek. In an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. At a time of evil. You shall die! 
When the world needed a hero. This one was souls. I don't want to die. What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped in the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Niktu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, when the army spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. <coughs> now, he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Hey, look out! Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Oh, that's gonna hurt! Director of Dark Man. Yeah. Comes Army of Darkness. They live. They breathe. They suck. Army of Darkness. Monty Python vibes to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly right. And just from the trailer, you get that this is a funny movie. Yeah. You just watch a trailer for a comedy. That's a comedy. Yeah, there's yeah. that scene where he gets sucked into the book and his face is like four feet long when he comes out uh-huh. of the suction and he shakes his face and then it's like three feet long and then he shakes his face and it's like two feet long and then he shakes <laughs> it again and it's normal and you're like, that was that took two days of filming. That took two yeah, days of like makeup and like for like a five second gag and it was worth it. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with the concept of shimping, which Sam Raimi invented? Shimping? No, I am but not. There, I, okay, wait. I was I was noticing in the IMDb credits there's like fake shimp. Yes, and there's like ten of them. Yes, and I don't know it's what it means. Very, what is this? I, I only found out about this recently. It's very funny to me, and it speaks to first it's. It speaks to how obsessed with the Three Stooges Sam Raimi is that he brought okay. this term into filmmaking just in his movies and used it so frequently that I guess now it's kind of an accepted thing. And the first time I ever saw it is in the credits of of Darkman, which they mentioned in the in the trailer. Mm-hmm. He just he they made Darkman, which is like a kind of cool high budget. Uh, it was a hit. Sam Raimi wanted to make Batman. And they wouldn't give him the right, so he made up his own <gasps> Batman and, oh, fuck and yeah. filmed it with Liam Neeson. It rules. It's really good. What? You guys couldn't watch it, though. How you, you, guys, you guys couldn't watch it. It's too scary for you. Too scary for you. It's too scary. But a corrupted but, superhero. This is like 1990, like two years before so, Army of Darkness, but it was a hit, so it kind of gave him license to make so this. So the idea mm. is that he his face has been burned off, but he's a scientist. Blah blah blah. He can make a mask of anyone in a kind of like face off, pre face off, face off way. And in Ooh. the last scene, he's disappearing in the crowd so like no one can ever recognize him again. And he turns around and it's Bruce Campbell. It's Ash from Army of Darkness playing Liam Neeson. And the, Bruce Campbell in the credits is shown as Final Shimp. <laughs> 
What which is, is so oh. silly. Apparently, it was a thing that the Three Stooges were filming some episodes when Shimp died, or maybe Curly died. I'm not sure. I'm not getting the story because oh. I'm not reading it. So they filmed a bunch of of to finish it. They filmed a bunch of it with a body double. And <gasps> when they were filming Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, it was so low budget. That like everybody left and like just Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi are shooting like the caterer left. The cameraman left. It's just the two of them. So like Sam Raimi would just like put his arm in the shot and be like, oh, I'm supposed to be the zombie. I'll put my arm in. And he, ca- he called it shimping. Like I'll be a shimp. Like stepping right. in <laughs> yes. for somebody. Like, like the fake shimp in The Three Stooges. And so that's who all the shimps are. And, and so that actually seems like a normal filmmaking concept to me. Uh-huh. Just a body double. double. Yes. It's a body double, but because he was obsessed with the Three Stooges, he's just yes. naming it after the Three Stooges character show. Yes, right. it just speaks to all the Augas and all of the like dumb. I see. There's the scenes where he's fighting himself and poking himself with a fork and stuff. It's all very silly. You know what we should do is as we go through this recap. Um, we can maybe label each bit of action as like being extremely gross for on a like a spectrum from silly to gross and maybe describe the effects because that's what's missing when you recap mm-hmm. the evil dead and you're just reciting like hand is cut off. Here's all the plot points chainsaw attached. It right, just sounds right. like a list of amputations. But if we can maybe add some of that qualitative color around the yes. silliness and the pleasures of. 20th century Ash is just saying bad one-liners like a 70s cop show cop uh-huh. in yeah. the midst of the Middle Ages. Like that's what the that's what the humor is. We've got to give that to you, or we haven't done the proper job. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Love this. Also, uh, just off trailer alone, I think this is uh, the hottest version of Ash that we've seen. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Bruce Campbell looks great. So Bruce Campbell got to give it to him. We early days we did multiple polls. Bruce Campbell hot or not and I have to say my vote has changed yeah my vote has changed hot after that trailer and obviously that's a big part of the appeal of the movie is that you have this dreamy lantern jawed hunk very like classic hunky vibe <laughs> Yeah, thick, delivering thick, the funny one-liners. Gold hunky hottie. Gold hunk. <laughs> Bruce Campbell is so good looking that I think you could argue it worked against his career. Because he mm. ended up only playing parodies of good-looking people, right? And it kind of right. like right. Uh, who's the guy from The Princess mm. Bride? In a kind of like Carrie Elwes. They're so good-looking and so charismatic that they can only play people that are like too good-looking and too charismatic, and it made mm-hmm. like it becomes a character flaw. Limiting, yeah. yeah. It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like, for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. 
I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County. And they've been around for 10 years and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary, code and password too scary for a hundred dollars off your first six bottles. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, yep. let's freaking get into it. Yep. I want to hear. I want to know. Yep. Let's do it. Well, the movie starts with, I would say, a like, <laughs> it has a really funny opening, which is like him in the stocks uh, talking about how he's a slave in the Middle Ages, which I love imagining this as a standalone movie and you're going in, like having seen nothing but the trailer, you know, nothing about Evil Dead 1, you know, nothing about Evil Dead 2. And it just opens with like, I am a slave. And he's just <laughs> across the desert. It's meant to look like a shot from Ben Hur, like a medieval oh, okay, slave yeah. Yeah. in stocks. He's in like not the stocks, but like what's what's that called? A uh, pill, a pillory, right? Uh, the one that moves. Yeah, the one that moves. It's like a movie. Yeah, it's just yeah. your head and wrist. Great vocab recall. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever yeah. known that that was called that. I think, pillory. Called, I think it's called a pillar. I'm not sure, but Evan is confirming it, and he has better vocab than me. So I'm going to roll with it. Uh, And then it kind of flashes back to Evil Dead 1 and 2, but we're maybe through it in as short as a minute flat. It basically does like a previously on Stranger Things Uh kind of (laughs) one minute recap of the whole previous movie just to establish how he got here and and, and making it possible for this movie to stand alone. So he's in the pillar like with one of his arms is a chainsaw. It's like still uh, the ash we know. Well, the camera never basically pans over. You only see his left hand in this got opening it, got shot. Got but it. yes, great, no, great recall. No, in the we get to we see that because there's a flashback. Then we he's in the pillory. He doesn't have the chainsaw. He we go back to okay, our Evil Dead One, Evil Dead Two. His mm-hmm. hand is amputated. He puts the chainsaw on, and then we see him arriving in the medieval dead era. His car, his Oldsmobile, drops. He drops down, and his chainsaw comes off. He's captured. He's mistaken for one of Duke Henry's men. There are two warring okay. factions of medieval people. He's captured by, I can't remember who he's captured by, but. He's captured by like King Arthur. I mean, yeah. the guy is definitely referred to as Arthur. Okay. This is like an English contingent of guys in chainmail and like nice looking arm, armor. Yeah. And they have been fighting. I think we need to back up because the the backstory, the, the previously on segment is crucial establishment for. Like, how did he get there? It establishes that he found this evil book in our time, which in the time of the movie would be the 80s, right? Uh-huh. So he went camping with his girlfriend. Linda. 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 In their abandoned cabin or wherever they were staying, they found an evil book called 
the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead. And then the entire plot of the first uh, installment took place, which he's now recapping at rapid pace in kind of funny style. It's like in the in that way that like it's funny to say this fast, basically, is the mm-hmm. joke. Mm-hmm. So my then my hand was possessed, so I had to cut it off with a chainsaw. And then I attached the chainsaw. The chainsaw became my new best friend. That kind of thing. Like getting through it really quick, how he killed everybody, killed his girlfriend. She came back to life. She tried to kill him. He killed her. Blah, blah, blah. But then at the end of the installment, the the unstoppable, unseeable demonic force that has been released by the Necronomicon sucked him and his car in into this giant vortex. And the last thing that happens in the recap is he gets sucked through this vortex and then falls in this empty landscape and then is soon surrounded by guys in King Arthur type medieval armor. And that's how he is. He doesn't he doesn't know he's been sucked through time, but discovers it by noticing his surroundings. But he's captured by Arthur who's already captured, they have in pillories Duke Henry. They assume he's one of Duke Henry's men. All these rebellious Scotsmen. And his, I don't remember how, but the the chainsaw comes off his hand, but there's a wise man who's kind of like a wizard type guy. Mm -hmm. And he notes that there's a prophecy that someone will fall from the sky and rescue everyone from Mm. the Necronomicon. Arthur is dismissive of this because he's like, no, it's just one of Duke Henry's men. But because the wise man is so learned... And recognizes that ash fell from the sky. I mean, kind of seems like a gimme. Seems like Arthur should be on the same page as him. Yeah, sure. He fell from the sky. Strongly agree, yeah. But he picks up the chainsaw and wraps it up and and kind of sneakily brings it along, uh, which is really a lifesaver for Ash later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to Emily's original question, once he is in the pillories and chains and handcuffs, strung along in a string of dozens of Scotsmen, all being taken back as one group of prisoners, no, his chainsaw is not on. Got it. Now, okay. mostly when they when the camera fairly infrequently catches his right hand, it really just looks like Bruce Campbell's just got his arm tucked in his sleeve. Yeah, it, you know? I, it's just oh, yeah. wrapped up in a little fist. <laughs> yeah, just yes. the most grade school version of that effect for sure. Ah, my arm! You know that, that's <laughs> yes. okay. It's an extra long sleeve. Then they like arrive in the town square, right? Yeah, they get back to the castle. You know, so, side note on the on the production, the, the castle is in this very non-English looking desert. I just I just don't get it. It's clearly <laughs> supposed to take place in England with all the nights. Yeah, I don't think there are deserts. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. But this is just blatantly shot in like Eastern California near Nevada or something. But anyway, sure. uh, so they get back to the castle, which is the home base of this King Arthur guy whether he's canonical king arthur or not i don't know but but he's arthur and they get back and so there's all these peasants and stuff back there that are shaming the scotsman of whom ash is assumed to be uh, a part one of these townspeople is the beautiful young sheila who we learn has lost a brother in the fighting she like asks some night and what of what of my brother oh he fought valiantly but was we lost him yesterday. He fell. He fell in battle. And so she's just livid and is taking out all of her feelings on uh, the prisoners, including Ash, just spitting on him and and kicking him while they come in. One of the most amazing... When I first met him, I thought he was a jerk in in cinema history (laughs) because she's just been told that he killed her brother. Right. She's literally throwing rocks at his head. 
Mm-hmm. And within five minutes, she's going to be in love with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Great. real quick. Great. Um, and this and Beth Davids, I just want to shout out that she's also in 13 Ghosts, another terrific film. Oh, oh. incredible. I want to shout out. This is not a, a plot thing, but I want to just say that King Arthur's haircut. Ooh, the bangs, the little bangs. Is one of the Ooh. best medieval haircuts I've ever seen in a movie because he's these short little bangs like an inch and a half above his eyebrows and then just like long long hair it's like a mullet but not like an 80s or 90s mullet this is a medieval mullet it's a medieval mullet that was very convincing to me yeah, Arthur's <laughs> Arthur's main function is to be really snooty in the movie. It's, it's pretty fun so immediately they get into like torturous deaths they um, the English are not psyched about the Scots. Why did they bother bringing them back to the castle to execute them? I don't frankly know, but they do it in a really f- f- fun way, which is tossing them into a pit. There's no hangings here. They're not beheading them. They brought these prisoners of war back and they're going to toss them into this somewhat supernatural pit that is in the middle of the castle square. And they just guy like guy number one, you know, faceless, faceless Scotsman that were okay with dying, basically, uh, just tiptoes up to the lip and then they shove him in. He falls into this pit and there's sort of like a comedic beat where the camera cuts back and forth to different members of the ugly looking peasants in the crowd <laughs> just waiting expectantly like what's happening. The number of cuts is just kind of funny where everyone's kind of going, <gasps> <laughs> just waiting and then all the after about 20 seconds or so all of a sudden this uh unholy amount of blood just shoots up like a geyser like this ah. guy like the like maybe 10 humans worth of blood just got squeezed out of a lemon and squirted up 40 there's only one word that could be used to describe it i was ready to interrupt evan if he did not say it but he did it's a geyser. It's an enormous geyser of blood. I also wrote geyser in my notes. I'll just throw that out. Geyser. Geyser. Yeah. geyser. <laughs> it's a geyser okay. I will say, uh, also as like a fan of Sam Raimi, I don't know if you guys have watched a lot of Sam Raimi movies or your listeners have watched a, Sam Raimi, a lot of Sam Raimi movies, but he makes some really bold choices as a director. Some would say too bold, mm-hmm. but like... There's a ton of like POV shots where like ashes in the pit and like the cameras like oh, wiggling around. Yeah. There's a bunch of like super low angle stuff like out of the pit. There's, you know, like shots where like an arrow is shooting through the air and like the camera's moving with the arrow. It's just a very um, interesting for me. That's very interesting. And in a movie that's so exaggerated, those bold, silly choices work. Mm-hmm. And also like like this is a higher budget movie than Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2 and already in those they're doing like the weird shit where they're like running the camera through the forest like you see the money on the screen a little bit with how weird the shots are like all the even all the stop motion stuff that's like mm-hmm. I don't know that, t- that stuff takes a while yeah. to shoot yeah. a stop motion book flipping around oh that's cool so then Ash gets shoved into the pit. He's next in line for some reason, and he gets shoved. It's because Sheila throws a rock at his head. Sheila's so mad at him, Ugh. he killed her brother. She throws a rock at his head and knocks him to the front of the line. Really? I, I'm pretty sure I watched this movie at 1.5x speed, but I'm still pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> yeah, she does. She does throw a rock at him. And when he falls, honestly, the, the continuity of like nothing happens in the bottom of the pit that would seem to result in a geyser of blood. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is... A little small red flag for that, me, but but he falls that down. That was my the, main question. I wanted to know the source of the geyser. Exactly. It it, like in order to generate one. the amount of old faithful of old of blood <laughs> that blasts upward, 
what what would have to happen? You would have to be put into some sort of. You'd have to be juiced and then spit out. You'd be juiced. You'd have to be juiced, yeah, and and maybe like in put in some kind of hydraulic you cannon or something. Have anyway, to be more than one person, like even if you were absolutely juiced, even your bones, <laughs> the it's volume more than of that. blood. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that doesn't happen down there. So it's just kind of like you know, you're like uh, the blood geyser was a stunt. It's not actually part of the story. <laughs> what? Stunt. It was just a joke. What? What? <laughs> uh, so he gets down there, and it's like a torture pit where he's like waist deep in water, and there's walls covered with uh, spikes. But before he's crushed by the spikes, some kind of fairly supernatural zombie character like bursts up from the bottom of the water, and they just start fighting. They're just having a brawl. Like he's got a shot based on his own physical prowess to maybe survive this thing. It's kind of the implication. Okay, we're, he's not being eaten by some crocodile, like something you couldn't beat, you know? It's mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. mano a mano with a kind of gross-looking zombie. I mean, I'm not sure we've said this explicitly, but in in this world, they're calling them deadites, which is, in and of itself, really quite funny. Deadites. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not zombies. All of them is, these medieval people are like, the army of the Deadites. <laughs> right. Like they're, like they're members of a nation like the Hittites or something. Uh-huh. And you're right that the the wise men has definitely alluded to like an evil has been awoken in, mm-hmm. in, in, in our world. And this uh-huh. guy may be the prophesied guy. But up until now, we haven't seen what that might be that the wise man was referring to. This is the first inkling. Now we that, see. Okay. That's something. And I guess they we can infer they captured this thing and stuck it in the pit to use as a torture chamber. Mm-hmm. And I just got to say, production referred to this uh, thing as the pit bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like it was important for us all to know that. That is important. Thank you. I think, and I think that's a relatively decent moment to say that this movie is a Bechdel test failure. Mm-hmm. Major mm-hmm. Bechdel sure. test failure. Because yep. the, pitch, the pit bitch, had she been named, never speaks to Sheila. <laughs> about sure. something other than a man. Yeah, if she just yelled up like, Sheila, thanks for knocking this guy down. Well, does that count though? Because it's still kind of about a man. It's still about a man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they weren't talking about their own career interests or whatever. <laughs> How does he, so he, does he escape the pit, bitch? <laughs> yes, he escapes the pit, bitch. So wizard guy runs up, calls out to him, tosses him down the chainsaw, and he is able to then... Uh-huh. Catch on to one of the rope pulley things that's pressing the spike walls closed, and he is able to uh, kill the pit bitch and get out of there. And then he's All like right. immediately a hero. He's being fed grapes, but he's also like, I got to destroy this chainsaw. This is one of the other things that frustrates me about this movie, other than Sheila being named Sheila <laughs> and whatever else I said earlier, <laughs> is they deconstruct his chainsaw to make a human metal bionic hand. Mm. Sure. I think it's probably just because it looks so dumb where he's walking around with his full real Bruce Campbell hand, like basically Uh wrapped in a towel, pretending like it's been amputated. They're like, we got to come up with something else. Yeah. But (laughs) it's like, if you're in the medieval times to fight zombies, why would you take apart the chainsaw to make a hand? Just keep the chainsaw, Keep right? the chainsaw. Yeah, you You're right. That was not very practical-minded. Clearly, no one else has survived the pit. No one else has survived the pit ever. But there's also a crucial moment that is also we saw in the trailer where after he gets out of the pit, everyone's like, what? They're shocked. 
the they're like beginning to revere him except for Arthur who is is mm, who is still, still skeptical. skeptical and sees this guy as insolent uh and challenges him to a sword fight and that's when Ash who upon exiting the pit has regained his other weapons from the Wiseman's stash blasts the sword in half comically with his double-barreled, sawed-off shotgun mm-hmm. that he brought from the future. Very funny. I love that joke every time it happens that, in a movie. That's, exactly. This, <laughs> this is like you came to the medieval times. With, does, I mean, everybody wants to do this, to be the one guy from the future in the past that gets to show off our technology, you know? Oh, it would be great. Like, as a musician, I want to be the guy that, like, gets to play the first EDM record for Mozart or something. And be like, <laughs> and be like see what we did? When he blows off the guy's sword, that's, that's where he has one of the, his many famous dumb quotes, which is, this is my boomstick. Right? Yes, he monologues to the crowd. Listen up, you screwheads. This is my this boomstick. Is my boomstick. And, he, and he talks about what section of the Safeway it's sold at. Like, it's, it's very funny. That's my, right. Yeah, he says, shop smart. Shop S-smart. Maybe you think it's scary, but he's saying you should really shop at S-Mart. You can buy a shotgun there. shaking in my boots. Again, I have to say this is like a crucial part of the recap because if we don't recap this as a comedy and it's just a list of amputations and skeletons, then you get the wrong idea for what movie you have watched. One of the most famous ones, actually, we, we skipped just a couple minutes ago is when he's in chains next to Henry the... Duke Henry the Scot. Uh, and Henry is like... Um, you're not one of my men. Like, how did like, how'd you get here? Who wants to know? And so he tells him, I'm Henry the Red. I'm Duke of this and that and the other thing. And Ash goes, well, hello, Mr. Just using the most 20th century John Wayne swagger. Well, hell, he's like, Mr. Fancy, but I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. <sighs> Whoa. That's the tone. Oh, yeah. That that's yeah. the tone. It's just being like a Sicily, like a parody of a swaggering hero, like the, uh-huh. the way James Bond unnecessarily says a pun at the end of every bad guy. He looks mm. like you're all tied up, like that well, times ten. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we're like almost past James Bond into Austin Powers with this movie. Uh-huh. Yes. We're halfway yeah. between yes. James Bond and Austin Powers with Army of Darkness. Yes. Okay. And Ash lets the, well, I already just forgot his name, the guy go that was also chained up right behind him. Right. Mm-hmm. Now he's like ascendant because he, he blew up Arthur's sword. So now it's like Ash is the de facto ruler here. And he immediately says, let Duke Henry go. Right. And then it gets to, you know, hard cut to like he's being fed grapes by babes. Hell yeah. <laughs> she was already yeah. coming in and apologizing. There's not even like a middle scene where Sheila's like, should I apologize? <laughs> Sheila's coming uh-huh. in and being like, please, God. <laughs> I love you. I love Gosh, you. You're the greatest guy on earth. Like trying to get in front of the four ladies who are feeding him grapes. But there's mm-hmm, no time mm-hmm. for that because the like the random person over at the side of the room who seems to be mixing some sort of a potion is a deadite. And tries uh, tries to kill them all, and I, I think Ash pulls out the shotgun again and blows up that deadite. Yes, great to have a shotgun. Yeah, the dead the deadites are sneaking in, and so even this like the grape feeding reclining room is not safe from the deadites. Mm. Somehow they are sneaking in, and Ash once again shaves saves people by using his modern technology and shooting them, and he gets to his 
prime motivator as a protagonist, which is I want to get home. Like now send me home. I we got to get the book. Everyone says that the key is in the, the book. That's how I'm going to get home. Meanwhile, he's at odds with the, the wise man who says, yeah, we got to get the book, but it's in order to save us. We're not going to send you home until you, you help. You're the chosen one. You're the only person mm. that can help us get the book to protect us from all hell breaking loose. That seems, but it seems, it seems like they come to a very good deal. Ash will go fetch the book and save everyone. And then they'll send him home. First, he does the whole montage where he, for some reason, chops apart his greatest <laughs> weapon available to sure. him, a chainsaw, to make a bionic hand, which is admittedly very strong. He squeezes a chalice with it and crushes it. Ugh. Yeah, there's like wow. a very quick montage of creating the mechanical hand, and at the very end of it, he crushes a pewter goblet with his new hand and goes, groovy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Every scene has that type of punchline at the end. It's like, action, 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 groovy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the formula. That's, That's the formula. Chef's kiss. So then we're into the questing, the, like, the, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail questing. And they go out with a small posse, Ash and the wise men and like some random knights head out. They go through the desert, arrive at this nameless forest. And for some reason, they sort of like send Ash on in there. They don't go with him. And there's uh, like goodbye at the uh, border of the forest where crucially the wise men instructs Ash you must get the book. You go into the there's a graveyard in there. You go into the graveyard, you get the book. But before you pick up the book. You must say the words Klaatu Varata Nichtu. And then you'll be safe to pick up. That's the code. That's like the passcode. I would just want to say that this is a real Chekhov's Klaatu Varatu Nichtu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if a wise man says, hey, before you pick up the book in the forest, this cursed book that's bringing the deadites back to life, before mm-hmm. you do that, say Klaatu Varatu Nichtu. You know that before the third act finishes, someone's not going to say that right. Yeah, someone's not going to say that right. There is no audience member who is confused about this. And as if to put a funny button on it, he has Ash repeat it. Klaatu Verada Niktu. Klaatu Verada Niktu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. All right. I got your stupid words. (laughs) Yes, it's telephoned in in a way that is very funny. And also, I want to like uh, I want to shout out that like Sam Raimi as a real devotee of of like of like camp and film history, Klaatu Verato Niktu is pulled from the science fiction classic, The Day the Earth Stood Still. If you guys have seen that, mm-hmm. I don't think oh. it's a horror film, but like it's, you know, a movie, it's like, a, I think a fifties movie about 50s like an movie alien about coming to earth. Yeah. It's like kind mm-hmm. of like, like, I want to speak to you, like, like take me to your leader. Like, I think it's uh-huh. kind of from that. And that guy is all, I don't, I don't remember what context he's saying Klaatu Verato Niktu in, but he's saying it a lot. And I think they did it in the remake, too. I think when Keanu Reeves is the alien, and he's always going Klaatu Veratu Nikto. Mm. And, and Sam Raimi just, just took, it, took it in a different direction with the, okay. the, with the Chekhov's, the Chekhov vibe. We Chekhov'd it. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to shout out, I, I've been trying to avoid doing this, but the reason I've watched this movie like probably almost 10 times is because I have one friend who's an obsessive, who is very, one of my best friends, and more power to him. In his 40s, just released his first feature-length film with Lucy Lawless. Hey! Lucy Lawless was in it. Ooh. Wow, bringing it back. Zena herself. Yeah, Zena herself was in it. Um, 
Who else was in it? That guy from the counterfeit movie with uh, Joe Maggiano um, was in it. Listen, mm-hmm. we, can, oh. we cannot do a whole ad for Morgan's. I can't talk about Morgan. I can't talk about Morgan's movie, The Spine Morgan's of Night. Morgan's movie, The Spine of Night, because it is definitely too scary for this yeah, podcast. it's too scary. It was described at, by the New York Times as being, quote unquote, mostly a history of disembowelment. Oh my um, God. But Morgan, Morgan was obsessed with this movie. I watched a lot with Morgan. So this morning I like called Morgan and I was like, Morgan, I'm going on a podcast about army darkness, like walking through this. And he sent me like, like reading material and he sent me the deleted ah. windmill scene. The windmill scene here, I think kind of sucks. Like he goes into a windmill. You're kind of not sure why he's in the windmill. And then he breaks a mirror and then, the tiny mirror pieces, a lot of mini versions of him, kind of like a Lilliputian Gulliver's Travel thing, come out and fight him. Mm. They tie him up. They poke him with tiny forks. He steps <laughs> on them and smashes them. It's like all very silly and gross. But there's like a seven minute long version of the scene. Like basically in the actual movie, he just like turns around and like walks into a mirror. And you're like, how could you possibly be so dumb? And like there, there was a seven minute deleted scene where like, it made sense he walked into the mirror and that was cut, which is like sad, see. but it okay. makes sense that the vibey seven minute walk into the mirror scene is cut. Um, <laughs> sure. I'm sorry. That was a long, that was a long tangent. So he's in the windmill. He fights all the little guys. There's a lot of like pitching up of the voices. Like, <laughs> yeah, they are like have minions vibes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I guess the the main thing about getting to the windmill is that it harkens back. It, it ties it back to the overall narrative because of the way the camera chases him through the woods. It strongly, strongly uh, calls back the way that he was chased into the vortex yeah. originally. You know, it's almost as right. if you could seamlessly cut this movie together with Evil Dead 2 <laughs> and Evil Dead 1. I would say. At any point, at any point, yeah, you could yeah. just have yeah. put the other movie yeah, in and it works. This, I, what I would do personally if I was cutting the three movies together is I would just put all three of them in a row. Wow. I think it would work. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> Without any scenes. <laughs> yeah. Remove the yeah, seams. Just take out the seams. Put in the I take out the credits. That's a seam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were going to want to cut yeah. that. Mm-hmm. One of the tiny ashes jumps into his throat. Most of them are just trying to torture him, stab him with forks in like a kind of three stoogy slapsticky way, right? And then he picks uh-huh. up the fork and throws it at them and hits them like a dartboard. And it's it's very like, nyuk, nyuk, nyuk. well, we're going to get you. Boy, oh, mubbity, mubbity, scoopity, shoo. But then <laughs> one of them jumps in his mouth and... Uh, like as if to torture him from the inside and he knows this is not good for him so he picks up off of the stove the 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 Dutch, the windmill dutchman has left a hot pot of tea <laughs> on the on the stove in the windmill and he just drinks boiling water and ah! to kill the tiny ash that's inside him inside him okay you know, while, sure. while saying how about some hot chocolate baby <laughs> <laughs> perfect and so he, he sort of mimes this, or like does this like physical comedy thing to suggest to suggest that the tiny ash is crawling around inside him, trying to get away from him. And as he exits the windmill, you see all of a sudden on his shoulder this like this is one of the most body horror things that like they do a super close up on his shoulder, and you see this eyelid open and see an eyeball on his shoulder, which implies, I think, that the little ash has, like, taken root inside of him, and it's sort of like, it's the spirit of that little ash that is now, like, coming out of his skin. 
Gross, yeah. gross, gross. He's absolutely convulsed as more limbs start sprouting <gasps> from his body. Gross, gross, gross. The eyeball, you know, forces out and becomes a second head, and he's looking at himself, and then it's like a whole body is div- diverging until he becomes a Siamese twin, Ash, and they're screaming at each other, and then eventually, after like one torturous minute, they completely split apart, and there's two identical twin Ashes, one of whom you know is real because he has the same correct amount of saucy repartee and also (laughs) the severed hand. The new Ash, I think, has two fresh hands, is also saucy in his dialogue, but in a slightly meaner way. And that's how you know he's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Then he shoots him in the head. Bad Ash appears to be dead. And good Ash says, good, bad, I'm the guy with the gun. (laughs) <laughs> Again, exactly on formula. Big perfect, action, perfect. big action set piece. You close it with a one-liner. Check, check, check. Little one-liner. Check. And I and Andrew, am I right that then he makes it to the graveyard? Yeah, he, he first cuts him up and buries him. Yeah, yeah. And then there's and there's another like funny like line there where like Bad Ash is telling him that he's gonna like come and kill him while Jess's head is in the pit. And Good Ash is like, hey, you've got something on your face. And he's like, no, I don't. And then he just throws a huge shovel full of, shovel full of dirt in his face. And you're like, <laughs> is Good Ash that good? I don't know. That's a classic. Yeah. That's just a good schoolyard heckle. <laughs> but then he's already to the books. Do you think, that, I, I always thought there was going to be more challenges, but then he's already head to the books. No, you're right. It's like only the first 40 minutes of this movie have plot. And then the second half is all just the big battle. Yeah. But hey, huh. I mean, I, I hey, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I got I'm a problem with that. <laughs> so the burying of Badash takes place in the graveyard, and so then he's just already in the graveyard, and the and the Necronomicon sitting right there. But there's yeah, one too, little twist. Too many, tr- too many traps. There's three, three books. Two of them there are, are fake. Three he gets past books them. on the altar. So it's like, which one's the right book? Dun, 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 dun. And of course, he picks the wrong two first. Like each one of them has a little trap. He opens the first book, and it's like a giant vacuum. Suck. It's got just a hole in the book and it sucks him into the book. Ah. And it's sort of like, speaking of the Princess Bride, the like quicksand where oh, yep, yep, uh, yep. Wesley and Buttercup go into the quicksand and the camera just holds on that thing silently. Very similar. The book closes. Ash has been sucked in and a few heartbeats go by until the book flops open and he's pulling himself out, pulls himself back out of the hole and all for the payoff of this one visual gag of his face has been stretched out to like three feet Mm. long. It seems like it was maybe done either in claymation or they maybe they I think they may have put on a giant prosthetic mask that's just hanging off of his face and then he shakes his head and it gets slightly smaller. So it's like they had three or four different grades of big elongated face says for him cool. to wear mm-hmm. and an elongated Bruce Campbell chin that's bigger than a normal person's elongated chin that's a big yeah 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 that's quite that's oh, a yeah. Chin. Yeah. he's already got one of the most drinkable chins out there one, one thing I couldn't help but notice is when he touches the first two trap books he does not even attempt to say Klaatu Vratu Niktu mm, and it's only when he goes and gets a third book he's like oh yeah I gotta say the words right it's like, yeah they were, just, they were just trying to blow through it. They were like, we got to get this done in yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, they yep. forgot about that. The second book tries to bite him, and there's kind of like a fight where it's like flying like a sort of unholy butterfly and trying to bite him. Eventually, <laughs> he kills it and finally get to the third book. 
and then you get the extremely predictable payoff of him saying, Klaatu Vrato, what is it? What is it? Uh, Nectar, necktie. And then he just does a cough. Klaatu (laughs) Vrato. And picks up the book and he's like, you heard, yeah, like I said it, y'all heard me say it, right? And then. (laughs) As the ground is rumbling. The ground is rumbling like like the graveyard is exploding. He's like, I said it. I said the word. (laughs) (laughs) And just and just rushes back to the castle. So he didn't have any tr- he doesn't have any trouble getting back to the castle. It's like the the events that are obviously taking place because he messed up the incantation. They take a little while to un- unfold. So as he's getting mm. back to the castle and brought back the book, we see in like interspersed cuts what's happening at the graveyard, which is that evil Ash, who had been dismembered but is now coming back together, rises from the grave and really becomes the king and general of the deadites. Evil Ash is rising from the grave and he's very freshly killed so he looks like a very badly injured human with like a really bloody uh. head whereas almost all the other deadites are just dry ass skeletons. Like spooky scary <laughs> skeleton vibes. They've been in the grave for some time but they're getting raised as old dry bones. That's what's happening. A whole army of hundreds of these skeletons are just coming out Oh, you know what? I did skip a crucial Shempy scene, which is as he's escaping. I said he didn't have any trouble getting back to the castle. That's not completely true. He wasn't injured, but he the skeletons were beginning to come out as he exited the graveyard. And there's an extremely Three Stooges scene where he trips and his face comes down to the ground right next to where some bony skeleton hands are coming out of the ground. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. When those bony skeleton hands are coming out of the ground. Yeah, we can picture it. Everybody knows what it looks like when a skeleton hand jams up out of a gravesite and then tries to do the old, like, two fingers, bunny ears, poke you in the eye, Mo Larry and Curly move. And then Ash blocks it with the classic Three Stooges move, namely, you put your own hand over your nose. That blocks the two-finger poke, right? And then in a funny Mm -hmm. escalation, two other skeleton hands come in from the side of the frame and poke both his eyes. (laughs) It really is so funny. I was really laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Emily, that's comedy. (laughs) Emily, like Henley, at this point, are you willing to pledge that you'll watch us on the Patreon? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, man. We have to pledge. I'll watch this movie. We have to pledge here. We all come home after a long day of work, and what's the first thing we do? We take off our bras because they are uncomfortable and constricting, and we're just ready to get out of them by the end of the day. Well, what if I told you that Skims has changed all that? Skims has done the impossible and created an underwire bra that I actually forget that I'm wearing. I didn't think anybody could do it. You guys obviously know how much I love Skims, I have tried many of their other products. I've never been disappointed, but I, yeah, just don't normally love an underwire bra. I prefer bralette, but I've loved everything else I've gotten so much that I thought, you know what? Why not try an underwire bra from Skims? Let's just see. And they did it. They did it, folks. They created my favorite underwire bra I've ever worn. I have the weightless scoop bra. It has this nice, like, mesh material that's 
supportive and comfortable, breathable, but still very sexy. And yeah, like I said, I, I do genuinely forget that I'm wearing it. And that is very rare. I, you know, I'm a broken record over here. I love skims. I love skims. I'm sorry. That's just the, the cold hard truth. I will shout it from the rooftops because I want everybody to know. I want everybody to share in my joy and my comfort. So shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you after you place your order, select podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Right now. I make a pledge. I make a pledge right here now. I'm going to do I'll it. watch this movie. Andrew's point is crucial, which is like there's still 30 to 40 minutes left in this movie. And we kind of have hit about 19 out of 20 plot beats. The only other thing that's really crucial to the the plot plot is really a character turn when he when he arrives back at the castle with the book and says, I help I up. I did my part. I brought back the book. Now you got to send me back. And the, the wise man is like, did you? Just checking. Did you say the words? And he's like, he's like, I may not have said every single little syllable, but yeah, I said the words. So the wise basically, yeah, basic, I said yeah, them. right, right, right. So of course, the wise man knows that means no, and he knows then what is going to transpire, which is the army of the dead is coming. He's super pissed and says, like, you got to help us fight. The, like, we're all going to be killed. You have to help us fight yeah, the, the like dead. Like a scary, like, pterodactyl style deadite shows up and picks up Sheila and so everyone knows um, things are going wrong. That's like this the, is the first, first foray of, of the deadites would be the flying yeah. ones. They so come. Everyone knows it's going wrong. Uh, he's already said he's not going to help them. Sheila's flown back and turned into evil Sheila, which we saw in the, in the trailer. Mm. But then Ash has like a change of heart and like right as everyone's about to flee and they're like, just let's just go up to the mountains and maybe we can survive there. He's like, no, let's fight him. And for some, and like, for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, the one guy, the one really ripped, burly guy with a, a handlebar mustache who hasn't had a line the whole movie's like, I'll stay with you. And then Ted Raimi, Jax from Cena Warrior Princess, who's also in a lot of the Spider Man movies and a lot of Sam Raimi's movies, is like, you have my steel, even though he's wearing this. I feel like he might also be in The Grudge. Is that. I don't know. Right? I don't know. Sorry, did sorry. Well, just throw that. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google image search it right now. I wouldn't put it past old. Ted. One of the Raimis is in the Grudge. I'm sh- I'm sure There's of it. Only one who's an actor. Um, it must be him. Yeah, it's him. There he is. I mean, he's always wearing glasses. He's like a nerdy guy with glasses. Yep. The cast of these movies are really pushing the boundaries of what it means to be an actor. <laughs> and to, be, to be a cast, frankly, versus a collection mm-hmm. of shimps. Uh, so. So Ash decides to stay, and that's when we get the montage where he's doing Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur court shit, where it's like 
they're dragging his car. His car is still out in the desert of England, the Mojave Desert of England. And they're pulling his car <laughs> in and they're opening the trunk. And like right on the top of the trunk is Chemistry 101. And they're so making teaching, gunpowder. Yeah, he's teaching the wise man chemistry how to make gunpowder. They're yeah, making, there's, there's more bullets yeah, in the trunk. we all learned it in Chemistry 101. They're oh, yeah. Guns. First thing you learn. Yeah, they're you pulling the back up the, of the book. engine of the car. I don't know what they did with the engine, but there's this whole part of the montage where they're pulling an engine out of the car. I don't know. And they're, I don't know. They're just preparing for the deadites. And we're also seeing a little bit of the deadites preparation as they're going to come in and, you know, murder all the humans. After their preparations are complete, they know they have like a couple days that for it take the skeletons to walk this far somehow. So they have like a day mm. to do the uh, Connecticut Yankee stuff, like, like Andrew's saying. And so they've developed all these fun armaments like the way you do in a medieval you know the the good guys get to make catapults and stuff and and siege warfare all that all that stuff that's what they're mm-hmm. building for over the yep. course of like a day day and a half and then you see the skeletons crest the hill so now we're ready for the battle and this army of mm-hmm. i don't know maybe a thousand skeletons they're pretty sizable comes down the hill to lay siege to this castle and they say there's only 60 of them there's only 60 human oh, no. human men so at first they're just laying waste because this, the weapons well, they made work. Well, as they're approaching, I just got to call out that they're playing skeleton flute <laughs> oh. and skeleton skulls as drums. They're playing their like a, war their song war as they're approaching. And this was another thing. All these skeleton gags just really caught That's me. a great point. And I think the flute is a femur. It's a femur. Yeah. It's like yeah, a bone, I was gonna ask bone what's it. flute. What's the bone, bone? flute? A femur. <laughs> femur and then little skull drums and they are just marching in playing their little skeleton war song and I am just absolutely delighted by it. (laughs) Is it an actual full song? Yeah, honestly. It might need to be punched up. Oh, punch up the skeleton flute. Oh my snap. I'll definitely do that. (laughs) <laughs> because you know if we watch the trailer and there's a lot of like heavy metal happening mm-hmm. in the, the trailer to strongly signal like how rockin' and masculine this movie is but that it's doesn't happen vibe. in the movie it's the wrong vibe and that never happens in the scary parts of the movie you know, that's the way a zombie movie would be cut today to yep. you know to just uh, you know, to just adhere to our genre s- standards and say like oh the bloody stuff that equals heavy metal right? but, that, but that's not in this movie and when the skeletons play mm-hmm. music it's like fife and drum revolutionary war Lexington <laughs> 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 concert like, the vibe of this movie is like Sir Robin ran away away Sir Robin ran away <laughs> that's, that's the vibe of the movie it is like like it is not too dissimilar from Monty Python search for the Grail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So highlights from the battle. And I, I guess um, a, ba- a backdrop here is that, you know, Ash did get with Sheila before he went off in his quest. So they had a romantic connection mm-hmm. in French. It implied that they had sex, although we didn't see it, only because he used the phrase pillow talk somewhat later. Uh, but mm. now they are estranged because she's been captured by the army and turned into some, like light and dark version we can't, we can't tell if she's fully turned into a zombie when we see her is she recoverable or not we don't know but that that's mm. a part of the backdrop of what's happening outside the battle i mean i do think that later he might refer to her as a she bitch and that effectively mm. is what she is is some sort of unhuman uh, like semi somewhere between she Sheila and Pit Bitch. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> in between. <Yeah. laughs> it's perfect. Yes. Exactly. If only right. they were two separate characters, perhaps 
we could have passed the Bechdel test. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Not even close. It's all, I mean, it's an allegory. We've all been there in a relationship where your significant other is somewhere between a Sheila and a pit bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an allegory well, for sure. Well, been there. So highlights from the battle. It starts out where they're just taking out skeletons left and right. They have their explosives the gun, that they've yeah, made the like with the gunpowder. So they're shooting arrows that explode. It's very gratifying to see the skeletons blown. You're like, hell yeah, humans. Human race will survive, you know. Uh, this also an allegory perhaps for climate change. Who knows what it could be an allegory for. But <laughs> as, in so no. many, as in so many things, just the sheer volume of skeletons, you just, you just get overwhelmed. No matter how many you blow up, eventually a couple dozen of them can get through with a battering ram. They put down a big plank over the moat, and they can't blow that up before the battering ram skeletons come down. They start bashing the gates. You know, even though they've taken out mm. hundreds of skeletons, there's hundreds of more taking their place, like, and eventually they overrun the walls. Basically, if you've seen the Battle of Helm's Deep from the Two Towers, mm. you've, you've uh, seen this battle. You've seen this battle. Yep. Eventually, they're going to make Very it through similar. the door. And I, but that is where Ash finally drives out his car, and his car has kind of been transformed into a tank. He's running people over in his car. There's like... Probably at least a dozen times people are yelling, protect the tower, protect the mm. book, because the book right. is hidden in the tower. And if the book is, uh, if they get they, the we book, we don't want them to get the that's book. If they, they get the back. book, that's, they want that, the book. that's, yeah, if they get the book, it's all over, apparently. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, but they get the book. They get to the book. They get it in the tower. <laughs> the tank blows up. Of course, it's Evil Ash that gets in with the book. And then it's a face off between Ash and Evil Ash, who now is just like flesh hanging on bone. Over the Necronomicon. Yeah, he gets his hand on the book, but I guess isn't able to, it, it doesn't culminate in like casting the spell or whatever that would re result in apocalypse. So evil Ash and good Ash have their final confrontation on, you say, the parapet wall of the, of the castle. There's other skeletons and stuff fighting the normal humans down below, but everyone knows that like the highest stakes battle that will determine it all is happening between the good and evil versions of Ash, right? And now we've got some real, you know, King Arthur-y swordplay happening. Pivotal moment. We're at the final battle of good and evil. Yeah, and just when all just when all seems lost, you know, another like great payback from Ash's uh, good deeds before. Just when the English humans are getting overwhelmed on the inside of their own castle. Who comes over the hill but Duke Henry Ugh. bringing his men back to the rescue, the cavalry showing up to come to their aid because humans got to unite when you're, yes. when you're facing the, there the no alien sides. threat. There are no common, sides at this point. A common enemy. Again, a major Battle of Helm's Deep, you know, two towers mm -hmm. moment, you know, like Gandalf riding yeah. over that big hill with the Riders of Rohan. Here's Duke, mm -hmm. here's Duke Henry the Red coming in. So mm -hmm. true. I was thinking Independence Day, you know. This is our Independence Day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everybody, all countries of the world come together to fight the aliens. All humans must come together to fight the army of darkness. Yes. And this is also the moment that an, another one of the greatest one-liners of the movies hit. But it's, it's tough because there's like, I think you could, it would be hard to pick like the top 50 one-liners of this movie because there's just so many Ash <laughs> one-liners. So like wall-to-wall one-liners. Yeah, the bad Ash <laughs> is finally getting away from the book. Like Ash burned him up and threw him over the wall and then he jumped back up. So now, now he's only a skeleton. All his flesh has been burned off and he's gotten the book and he's like, now I have the book. 
Like, you'll lose forever! But of course, Ash notices that he's standing on top of the loaded catapult, which is not a good place to stand. Um, you never wanna... If you read, that's the actually the number one thing on OSHA regulations uh, in the United <laughs> yeah, States. Don't, stand, yeah, a don't stand on a loaded catapult. Actually, I read that actually in Physics 101. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and what's, what's it? Ash has a line that's like, buckle up, bonehead. And, uh, <laughs> and he like in one in one like swoop like knocks the book out the Necronomicon out of his hand with like his sword and then comes back around and slices the the rope that launches him into the air and there's also somehow some gunpowder involved so then he there's a huge explosion in midair as Evil Ash blows up. Nice. And then then all the even though it's like full of bad guys they all immediately retreat and the, they the conflict say is over. we gotta get nice. out of here. <laughs> Which I thought was nice, interesting. Nice. That is interesting. <laughs> Where are they going? You kill the queen bee, and the workers are like very disorganized. So yeah, they, that's they, true. They, no, they they couldn't possibly keep it together. They need leadership. Yeah, that's that, right. That, that's it. I I accepted that. Of of all the various disbeliefs I had suspended, this this was an easy one for me. I was like, of course, the the leader <laughs> is dead. The skeleton's vamoose. <laughs> yeah, so we're, the falling action is very brief. It's just like about Ash going home, and there's just one simple thing he needs to do to make sure that going back to his time works well. All uh-huh. he has to do is say these three little words correctly. Oh, and they God. are Klaatu, Verato, Nictu. Nictu. Which I will note, I'm not I'm not saying consistently each time. I'm not sure what the right thing is to do. So <laughs> Hard words so to remember, I'm for sure. he was saying, like, I, I've got them, I've got them. I'm like, I already forgot them, and yeah. you just said them right like, now. I'm like, making fun of Ash for not knowing them, but, like, <laughs> I know, I think it's Klaatu, Verato, but, like, I was watching it with subtitles on on YouTube, and it, it was saying Klaatu, Barada. Like the cheese, yeah, just like oh, okay. like to barada. At this viewing, I was kind of like, you know what? Maybe I'm on Ash's side with not being able to say the words right. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he screws up the words, um, of course, and he flashes forward to being in the. It's not a safe way. It's an S mart, right? Which is kind of so like a safe way. Say, saying the wrong word didn't bungle the main time travel. He did return to his own time because it's it's a hard. Hard cut Phew. to an outro scene where he is in and S-Mart. everything was fine. Maybe he said the words <gasps> right. So he's in S-Mart and has that's basically oh, no. returned full circle to his origin where he is just a simple clerk on the floor. Talking to Ted Raimi, basically bragging about his adventures and being like, so I could have stayed and been king. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And just then a zombie lady deadite <gasps> jumps out. Dare I say an S-Mart bitch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an S-Mart bitch. Yes. S-Mart bitch. (gasps) And we're meant to, it doesn't label this, but we're meant to infer that like that's the outcome of him bungling the words is that maybe some deadite was sucked into the vortex or allowed to come with him. Some little bit of the dark magic came back Mm. with him. Like He made the trip, but this this deadite... lady who she does look a lot like the pit bitch starts wreaking havoc in the store breaking stuff trying to kill him says the old i'll swallow your soul i feel like do they say that in all of the evil dead movies yeah there's a lot of swallowing souls there's also a lot of great stunting where like he's riding around in a shopping cart like Mm, shooting mm -hmm. a shotgun that he breaks out of the cabinet she's like doing backflips off of trampoline like (laughs) s-mart trampolines like it's just funny it's a funny scene 
there's another girl like like in the middle of that scene like we skipped this somehow but like a love interest has been introduced like right after he was talking immediately to Ted. oh sure you gotta have one because we we said goodbye to sheila yeah in like it, almost like the anti-bechdel way sheila has been said goodbye to and like they had a smooch right before he just yeah. went off into the sunset like goodbye you can't come to my time like it's been fun sheila goodbye and then in the next scene where we are now yeah. back in smart he's just flirting with like a hot sales lady in like whatever the opposite of the Bechdel test is where you can just replace <laughs> one love interest with another or it's just yeah. completely just like filling the gap with like now we just put another good looking actress in this <laughs> new, in this new scene that's how this goes that's yep. how this yeah. goes but Ted Raimi is like yeah yeah sure you were almost king and then like the next line is her saying like that story about how you were almost king I think it's pretty cool and then like <laughs> and then like the next line is the S-Mart bitch being like I'll fucking kill you and like and like Sam Raimi has packed all of that into like 25 seconds in, in like in frankly a pretty a pretty fun way in my opinion yep, uh, yep so that so so he kills the the S-Mart bitch and then I think the last line in the movie is he kisses the new lady who I, mm-hmm. is not named Sheila is not named Linda but is a replacement for those two characters, as Evan mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes, yep. hail to the king, baby. And the movie's over. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, what it. a fucking crazy movie. It's wild. I can't believe this was made at all, to be honest. But, Sammy, did you watch the original ending? Uh, no, I don't think so. <gasps> what a we just ending. described is the ending that everyone saw in theaters. And it's really yep. good. That is a good reshoot. If the if the studio comes to you and says this ending sucks, you've got to redo it. It's fun with the S Mart, with Ted Raimi, with the S Mart bitch. But it's not what they made originally. In the original one, this is crazy. They put him in a cave, and they blow up the cave door and bury him in the cave, and they've made a tincture, and he has to drink six. This is according to the instructions of the Necronomicon. This is how he's got to get back to his time. Six drops of the tincture. To sleep until the present day, and he drip, he drinks <laughs> he drinks five drops, and then he gets distracted, and and then he's like he's like counted up to five, like one, two, three, four, five. Gets distracted by like some crumbling, and then he goes five, six, and drinks two more drops. Very funny, funny, <laughs> similar to Klaatu Farashi Nick too, but different. And then he 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 wakes up. He has a beard that's like down to his knees. He, so he okay. slept seven centuries instead of six. Yeah, and, he, oh. and so he pushes, he pushes out of the cave, and you see just, like, a desolate wasteland ruined by a, the apocalypse. He's in, like, ruined <laughs> London. Like, Big Ben is on its side. Everything is, like, covered in smoke and destroyed. Everyone is dead. And he just screams, I slept too long! <laughs> and that was, that's the end of the movie. And it was determined to Roll be credits. too depressing. <laughs> Oh, oh my, my god. god. That's a better it's ending. Pretty, it's very that's funny. Very funny. Like, that's a pretty funny ending. ending as rocks. far as the reshoot goes, like that's a good reshoot. But that other ending would be like one of the greatest endings of all time and it's pretty sad. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's very funny. I don't know, you guys. The original ending is really speaking to me and I don't know whether it's because I'm just in like a nihilistic mood. I'm feeling like Timothy Chalamet and societal collapse is in the air. <laughs> yeah, it is. He's right. <laughs> Trust in Timmy. It's the Afrin hitting. The Afrin is hitting. You know what? The Afrin yeah. has the Afrin. atrophied the lack of Afrin. my brain. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm in Afrin withdrawal right now. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> you have no hope left. You feel as though you might as well sleep too long. Afrin is gone. 
I mean, cinematically, the original ending with the seven drops yeah. is superior. It is. It's just a great last line for a movie. Yeah. I slept too long. Yeah, it's perfect. I want my daddy back. <laughs> <laughs> God, so relatable. <laughs> God. One of the things in the IMDb trivia said this movie was Bruce Campbell's first and last starring role in a studio film, which feels very shocking to me and possibly incorrect. Like the other. Let's remind everyone IMDb trivia is user submitted. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, uh, huh. like, it, I feel like it's like the Carrie Elwes effect that he's just like too good looking and too charismatic and he just became a parody of himself. And, like, too specific, maybe? Like, right. one of those things of just, like, I don't know. This became his thing, and then they couldn't find another vehicle for him. Yeah. The shtick is so specific that you're doing a parody of him. You have to be handsome to do this type of parody of handsome, but then mm-hmm. you're also delivering dialogue in a comedic way that it is possible that maybe this man can't pull off a leading man role because he's always doing it a little tongue-in-cheek yeah but, right it is possible but it's like more power to Looking him he him became right like now. a comic-con guy like an early guy who like understood the power of the internet and understood like if i go to big comic book conventions people will buy my book for twenty dollars and i'll sign it for them and talk to them and he's very nice and like more, yeah he seems like, like a cool guy i think his he's been very successful he's in all i think he's in all three of the spider-man movies and maybe even in the latest um mm-hmm. Doctor Strange movie Doctor that Sam Strange, Raimi, yeah. is he's in that? Yep. This is Sam Raimi doing penance. Like, he won his way into, like, the biggest studio picture possible. By ruining Spider-Man Bruce Campbell's movie. career. By ruining Bruce Campbell's <laughs> career. And he's like, I made it up here yeah. to, this, to the $100 million studio pictures. I, That's crazy. I yeah. will let you come in and say one line, old yeah, friend. Yeah, cameo. And I'm pretty sure they were high wow. school friends. Like, imagine being <laughs> high school friends and just, like, you can only guess Brutal. that Bruce Campbell is the popular jock and Sam Raimi's the nerd. But, like, through a love of movies or, like, a family friendship, they bond. And, like, he's still got to throw Bruce Campbell a bone after ruining his career when Bruce Campbell could have been maybe, like, more of a, maybe not a Tom Cruise type, but, I don't know, Carrie Elways was a decent <laughs> twister. There's no comparison. Maybe maybe we need to have a, a Bruce Assange. <laughs> a Bruce Assange. Bruce Assange is upon us. What's what's the best role in the history of like the nineteen nineties and two thousands that Bruce Campbell could have had but didn't have? Like what would be the best role that you just swap Ooh. Bruce Campbell for? Neo in the Matrix, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what about a very different portrayal? I'm going with Ethan Hunt in all seven Mission Impossible movies. Oh, wow. You're thinking of franchise pictures. For some reason, the one I pictured was he could have been Ben Affleck in Armageddon. I feel like that, yeah. I see that. I I mean... (laughs) Hunky astronaut. I don't think there's another possible Ethan Hunt. (laughs) There's that famous... uh, I'll I'll die on that hill. There's that famous anecdote about Ben Affleck on the set of Armageddon asking Michael Bay, like, why would they send oil drillers to space? to do this instead of just training NASA astronauts to be oil drillers. And Michael Bay being like, shut the fuck up. It's just the and I would just, I'd like to say there's a 0% chance, a 0% chance that Bruce Campbell would have had that argument with Michael Bay. Yeah. Bruce Campbell would have just been like, wow, great script. 
Yeah, we're Check doing it. it. We're doing it. Hell yeah, I love this. Love I'm this. I'm 100 percent on board. No questions. Exactly right, and that's the best argument for the Bruce's aunts. Let's make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> I would take Bruce Campbell in a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, but that's what keeps that's what keeps happening to Bruce. He keeps being in these movies. We need him to I be a leading man. Sure, sure. I just also want to go out on a limb and say I think Bruce is probably fine. I you think might that's be right, fine. But, but you know, as a as a pro Tom Cruise, uh, Emily, you've reminded me that a Bruce Campbell type character was the recent antagonist in Mission Impossible. I'm thinking of the Henry Cavill Henry guy. Henry Cavill, I was like, just thinking about that also. They kind of look alike. Exactly, I'd like to see them. Exactly very similar be. chin. Yep. I want to see them together. Yes. The gl- the the glowering eyebrows. Mm-hmm. If, if anything, I would actually say there may be, there may be ex- the exact opposites. They're like the same and it's like Ash and Evil Ash in that like I think Henry Cavill takes himself so seriously that they're like two exact opposites. Okay, okay, I have a pitch. I have a pitch. I have a pitch. Yes. Because you guys are right. It's, it, Ethan Hunt is too big for him. It's got to be more of a character actor thing. But he can't be someone who's just like, oh, he's kind of the side guy. He can't be like the villain in a Marvel movie. When that person, when no. Robert Redford is in, is in uh, Captain America Civil War, in the first five minutes, you're like, oh, Robert Redford's in this? He's the bad guy. He must be. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, right, why of would he be famous? Otherwise, there's no way. Yeah. Bruce Campbell as Anton Chigurh in No Country for Old Men. Whoa! Just shooting people through That's the head fun. with his nail gun, his pressure, his pressure nail gun, flipping the coin. Do you think he could have pulled off that role? Do you think he has the exact acting same chops? haircut? Same haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it. I'd watch it. I'd watch it. I want to. See him naked stitching himself up in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) What a fun time. What a truly fun time. It's not often the case. I know this this is like really the opposite of human centipede, I'd say. Yeah. Totally. It's completely (laughs) opposite. You've absolved yourself here, uh, Evan. I think we've balanced. We've balanced the universe. The scales. scales. I I, I was just happy to be invited back. I thought. You know, it might be persona non grata. But he thought you'd burn, burned that bridge. Yeah, right. Burned the bridge. <laughs> well, Andrew does live more in the positive. You know, he doesn't have anything weighing him down. So, you know, we're like, a yeah. You're back at even. Safe. Andrew's net positive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could do a little punch up of the skeleton, um, yeah, we would love that song. <laughs> we would love that if you could. In all your free time, right? What would it actually sound like if you were playing on a femur flute? Yeah, we need to know. Yeah. Try your best to replicate that if you can. That'd be a good punch up. Um, speaking of, tell our listeners about Punch Up the Jam and where they can and should find all of your other very good content. Andrew and I are the co-hosts of Fellow Headgum Podcast, Punch Up the Jam, in which we talk about one song per episode, much like this podcast talks about one movie. And we talk about some famous song that you um, know about where. When we did Tit for Tat Tradesies, Emily and Sammy came on and we talked about Barbie Girl by Aqua, an unholy, awful song, which uh, we're very happy to punch up because the point of our show is after we talk a song to death, dissect it, we uncover all the nuggets that you didn't even know you heard within the song. At the end of each episode, we produce an improved version. 
it's always better every time we improve these songs that were already Titanic chart-topping hits. And of course, by improved, I mean make them much worse. But uh, what are the other songs that we've done recently in the last couple of months? I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men, Thinking Out Loud by Ed Sheeran, Every Time We Touch by Cascada. Brandy, you know that old hit? Brandy, you're, you're a fine girl, such a fine girl. <laughs> we did that one a couple weeks we've ago. Done, we've done uh, classics like Imagine by John Lennon. I think we have an episode coming out soon that is Sugar by Maroon 5, which was really distressing to me to read the lyrics. Oh. <laughs> to read the lyrics to that song, it, it was really... Oh, it's a it lot dirtier given, than you think. Oh, in the post-Adam Levine scandal say, world, what we know this, now. <laughs> the song reads differently. So anyway, I strongly recommend you come join us over at our uh, podcast and uh, check out... Uh, yes, a great starting point would be the Barbie Girl episode with... <laughs> Uh, the hosts of Too Scary Didn't Watch. Yeah, and we're better known as we we help run a YouTube channel called Shmoyoho, where we make YouTube videos uh, that are remixes and comedy songs. Um, this summer we had a had a, a fun viral hit with a song called It's Corn. If you haven't watched it, <laughs> heard of it. If you haven't watched <laughs> it, or if it. you want to watch it in, come over to our, to our YouTube channel and watch uh, It's Corn. It's a banger. I gotta say, guys, I've been doing I've been doing some uh, some Christmas shopping, and I've been perusing Etsy, which is where I, I tend to prefer to do my gift shopping. Smart. And th- it's corn merchandise no. has taken over the Etsy <laughs> no. marketplace. I, I don't know if you guys get. I'm assuming you don't get a single Zero. smidgeroo of that, but oh boy, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh boy, wow. there is a lot of it's corn. Have you bought any of it? I bought all of it. Um, wow. No, I have, not, I have not bought any of it, but I did. Spoiler alert, that's what our Christmas <laughs> no, presents sorry. are going to be unwrapped. Um, but I was just like, oh my God. The, I mean, I knew it. It's a it's a smash hit. I absolutely love It's Corn. Um, but everybody does. Everybody does. They're making merch. They're making merch. It's as big as the Titanic. <laughs> did you see that Tariq was in the... You saw that Tariq was in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Oh! So cute. Be better. Yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving is a great day for corn. Yeah, it's a good day for It's a very corn-oriented day. What a little cutie. Yeah, y'all, everybody check out It's Corn. Everybody check out Punch Up the Jam. And, yeah, I think... I think that that does. Yeah, it. thank you guys so much for coming on. This thank was very you fun. so much. Thank you so 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 much. This has been the highlight of my week. Thanks for having me back and le- and letting us join you here in your special special space. You guys are welcome anytime. It's true. It's a real pleasure. Thank you all. And we usually end with voice. What kind of voice we got here in this movie? It's gotta be Ash. Oh, but they do it better. I don't know how to do Ash. Oh, what does uh, he say? Uh, uh, groovy. <laughs> yeah, let's just, it's hard to let's just look at the IMDb groovy, quote page groovy. for Sheila. Oh, there are no quotes. Oh, there are no quotes for Sheila. Oh, interesting. Oh, not a single. Oh, that is oh, not a yes, single quite good line for her, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm the king, baby. What does he say? <laughs> Hail to the king, baby. Hail, Hail the to king. the king, baby. Okay, okay, I got Whoa. it. Okay. <laughs> From all of us here at Too Scary Didn't Watch. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you like the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And if one episode a week just is not enough for you, head on over to patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast to become a patron and receive all sorts of extra goodies from us, including bonus episodes, trailer reactions, and more. And no matter what, we will see you 
right here next week for another episode. We love you so much. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.